Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sandalanch. This week we are doing uh, Mistborn Book 3, The Hero of Ages, chapters 49 through to 52. In these chapters, a few further developments. Beldry visits Team Spook and has a bit of an audience. Uh, Vin meets Ellen's old buddy down in the caverns. Ellen goes and just murders some Kolos for a good old time. And uh, Ten soon visits Luthadel and he digs up some very familiar bones to get information. So, a lot of exciting stuff this week. Uh, I'm Dak. With me this week is... Jamie. Data. And Joe. So, hang on to something. Sandlanch is about to get rocking. As the tiles of steel and stone crumble to dust The foundations of our hope begin to rust Choking fear, screaming sound As a reaper comes to ground Turn to face it down because you must And when the world is starts to burn At the point of no return Keep a hold of the conviction Tear at the affliction Before the world turns black Stand up and take it back Yeah, so four chapters this week in... We got some some action, which people have been wanting to see some action. So there's some. Uh, what did you guys think of these four chapters? Yeah, they were pretty good. I mean, I still feel like we're in a bit of a holding pattern at this stage while we're waiting for the um the bigger stuff to really come to the fore. But there was enough like little nuggets of enjoyable stuff in here. I think the ten soon chapter was a highlight. Just seeing him walk back into Luther, I was like, what the fuck happened here? And then. Yeah, like he found Kelsey's bones and is just like walking around the place just going, okay, all right, this is what I got to do to find out information. So I think that chapter was by, by far and away my favorite this week. That was a good chapter. I agree. I mean, I think 10 soon chapters have been standouts for us since the last book, so it's not shocking. Yeah, fair. Yeah, I like these chapters this week. Spook. I know, I think I say it every week. Spook's got me a bit worried. It just, it felt like a different spook this week. And having sazed sazed concerns i guess i was like yeah like i'm with you he's not right there's something really weird going on uh with him but yeah i also like tensoon i thought it was pretty creative that we've got the bones of kelsia back into play interesting to see what happens i guess when the bones of kelsia meet fake uh, spook kelsia (laughs) that would be a bit strange but yeah and i thought even though it was a short chapter with vin I thought that was pretty interesting, having her sort of weigh up her options and it's like, you know what, I've got a better chance to do this outside of my cavern, so I'll take the drugs. That's that's the way to go. Yeah, good read though. Good little insight into a few different things going on. See, I I, I feel like for once, Spook feels kind of on the ball in this chapter to me. He's like coming up with good ideas. He's being confident. He's not being weird and creepy. I would agree. I, like I do agree with that. I think. This is this is the spook we needed to see, I guess, a lot earlier. But knowing that up until this point, this isn't spook. Like being decisive and all that sort of stuff, I just it's not it's not the spook we know. And mm. I think that's the that's the scary part of this is it's like, okay, we see how much of Marsh we lose. Are we losing spook's sort of humanity? Like he's in that balance of, okay, I'm actually practical and coming up with good ideas and decisive and this is what the team needs right now but how long do we actually get that spook for 
it's going to decline and deteriorate into crazy spook, I think. Uh, I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, we're starting to see those changes with him, I guess, is my concern. I kind of had a love-hate relationship with these chapters. I agree with Dak that the Tencent chapter is probably the highlight for me. I think there's all kinds of interesting things that could come from Tensun holding on to uh, Kelsier's bones. So um, that that was good. The Beldre thing, I, I liked the direction it went in, but I'm kind of with Jamie on this, especially because Spook even hints that like it wasn't really his idea to to make all the moves that he's making he's she's like what would the survivor think and he's like i'm pretty sure if the survivor were here he'd say exactly what i'm saying which basically tells me which basically tells me ruins telling him to do all this ruins making the moves spook's not making them i honestly had not read it like that i was just i always took that as i know kelsier and he would totally approve of this because kelsier totally would be on board with this sort of thing uh but no yeah you make a really good point that might be what he's saying so I think um, I don't think Spook is the one that is changing or making moves here. I think it's all at, at Ruin's prodding and suggestion. I did like the kind of foreshadowing slash comment that Sazed makes. It's like, oh, with the way he's got that cloth around those spectacles, he looks kind of like an Inquisitor. It's like, oh, yeah, that's, I mean... You don't know how right you are. It's like he's got heightened abilities, and also he's being controlled by Ruin. So you're uh, you're more right than you know. Uh, and the Ellen chapter with him fighting the Coloss, I just I don't know. It was not character develop. It was character development, but it was not character development that I liked. It was kind of gross and dark but not in an interesting way dark in a gross way and i mean this is where we are right now the world is ending so it's got to be kind of gross i guess but it just wasn't super fun to read and uh then i just felt like vin is making not a great choice in what she's decided to do to drink this wine that she knows will put her to sleep which yeah i mean she she probably does have a better chance up top but she's if she's knocked out they can kind of do whatever they want to do with her while she's knocked out so that's uh that's an issue for sure because if this guy was the can was a obligator in the canton of resource i mean who knows all the crazy tricks and things he knows so i just um i'm not sure about where any of this is going with these chapters uh, so like i said yeah 10 cents definitely the bright spot for me but that's about it I feel like for me, the, the Vin chapter in this one is my favorite because I like her interaction with Teldon and his confidence is like ridiculous overconfidence and the, the banter that goes back and forth between them. And I don't know, I feel like it's it's a debatable decision to, to take the wine if she had any resources, if she had any water left, then it would be like, OK, maybe don't. Fo- but like she's going to die down here if something doesn't change. So I kind of. I, I feel like she went the right way. Okay, let us get into these chapters. Let's back up for a second. I think your insight's BS because you know what happens. <laughs> okay, that, that's, that's fair. Everything I say is BS. Everyone knows it. <laughs> How does that make you feel, Data? <laughs> After three books, <laughs> your insight is BS. Yep, yep. 
It's okay. It's it, it's uh, I I that's uh I get it all the time. This we, guy we reads from a card. <laughs> I read from a book. I'm just saying. Yeah. There's no you know, with the why. benefit of hindsight. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, it, you just haven't taken you haven't like taken a stand like that. I feel like where you're like, I think that she made a good decision. Like, that's not something that I feel like you've taken a hard stance on in any of the book. So I feel like doing it now is kind of like, I mean, maybe it's a good decision to you because you know what happens. But uh, or maybe I'm trying to throw you off of being like, oh, no, that was great. Nah, I don't think so. But um, honestly, what, I mean, she, she, she has dies, no water and no more stew. What's she going to do? No, I mean, your your reasoning, your logic is sound. I'm just saying. It's easy for you to sit there with your cards and your <laughs> answers and your answers and say, yeah, it was a good decision. Okay. Uh, uh, let's see. Let's see. So the first one, this person is explaining why Ruin couldn't just use an Inquisitor to set him free from the Well of Ascension. And it comes down to, well... For one thing, the Lord Ruler had a lot of control over them before his death, but also the Inquisitors had too many spikes. There, there's too much ruin in them. They can't touch that preservation power. He's like, they would have had to take out yep. those spikes. And, and guess who had to take out her earring to touch the preservation power? Dun, dun, dun! I was just about to say, it's like, well, that just sort of <laughs> leans right into your yeah. theory there. I feel like she also had to, like, take off her vials of metal that she had with her, didn't she? Like, I feel like all her metal was heating up mm-hmm. or something. I think she did, yeah. Well, maybe the spikes, maybe it's not just that they're hemallergic spikes. Maybe it's because they're made out of metal. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know he says it's ruined touching preservation's power, but still. Yeah, it just seemed like anything metal couldn't go into the well. Yeah, something like that. There's, there's something weird about metal. We've known that since the beginning, because they drink metal and they get superpowers from it. So... Some weird shit happening. Yeah. Remember, like, at the beginning of this podcast when we were talking about, like, how do you think that works? They just, like, burn the metal in their stomach. like, Or we're like, hey, do these guys eat metal? What's going on with this? This doesn't make any sense. Remember <laughs> how naive we were? How bright-eyed? Uh, back in the day. The innocence of our, you guys of our youth. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. do, you, do you understand now how it works and why drinking metal gives them superpowers? I feel like we're in the same place. No, yeah, I don't. I don't understand. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I just figure it's like, are they just clenching their stomach and hoping the right metal is the one that gets? Yeah, like even when Kelsier describes like her picking out metals like in her stomach at the in the in the first book, I'm just like, <sighs> there's like there's nothing like this in real in in like nature in our world that that I could like equate that feeling to. Like I I've had an upset stomach. Or I felt like my stomach was burning, but I don't feel like it's really the same thing at yeah. all. So you're not sensing yeah, a well of power in your stomach and like oh, exactly access that one. It's, Let me access. Well, it's not, it's well. not even that. It's 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 like like you know you've just eaten an apple pie and and you're trying to tell your stomach to digest just the apple apple not the pastry. <laughs> yep, that would be uh, it's weird. I don't know what. To say. <laughs> yeah, it's and, like yeah, stomach. Use your stomach acid to burn this one thing, but not this other thing. And now burn it faster, stomach. Oh, and by the way, this other metal, it's going to, like, eat, eat it up in my stomach immediately. <laughs> this metal makes the other metal get eaten superness somehow. Yeah. No, it's it's a thing. Yeah. Uh, we st- It's like, uh, after all this time, you feel like you know so much, and it's still like, I don't. This, I, I, I don't know why that makes magic. It's just you have to accept it and move on that this is how magic happens. Yeah, I, magic, I guess it, whatever. 
Yeah, there's not really a good way to scientifically explain like <laughs> how A turns into magic. I don't know that there's ever a good. I don't know. I like my apple pie metaphor. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, is there another magic system where it's like you get a scientific explanation of like this is how this turns into magic? I guess maybe uh, like an animal. Dresden? Yeah, kinda. I mean, he says that he has to like take the energy of emotion and like channel it, and he can turn it into different stuff. So maybe that's kind of an explanation. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, we're, we're getting crazy here. We start out the first chapter with Say's making up, writing up diagrams of how he's going to stop the water flow into this cave, so that the canals will refill. He has like, is a what do you call it? I'm sorry, the like an is it appendix? What is it, what is it called? The list of like. The different books, or I think, he, I think he just says like a table of contents, basically. Yeah, that's yeah. basically his like the table of contents and an index is what he calls it. There, I found it. He has an index, and so he dumps that from the metal mind into his brain, finds the thing on the index, writes it down, dumps it all back in, and then brings up the correct section of the correct book. It's so weird how like this is this is one of the weirder ones to me, where it's just like this whole these whole segments of knowledge are just like dump in, dump back out. But it's yeah, pretty cool. I just, like I would love. I that. just pictures like um you know he's alt tabbing through his brain. I'm like, oh, that's just confusing and odd. This is a skill I would like to be able to understand, though. I feel like this had this would have so many real world applications if you could just index your mind. Yeah, it'd be so good. It's like basically turning your brain into a computer on some level, at least. It's pretty cool. Yeah, well, there was like uh the guy who like started Google Glass, like the basically the the guy who made the prototype and he used it I, I listened to a whole thing about it he created it in graduate school and then when he was getting his phd i mean he used this google glass thing all through graduate school after he created it and he said like it's basically having all this knowledge that i stored at my fingertips so like if i'm talking to somebody then i can just pull up last time i talked to them when i made notes and i can just like Ask them, oh, hey, last time we talked to you, you know, you said something about your son. How's your son doing? And blah, 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 blah. And when he got his PhD, uh, when he was taking, I guess he's doing his oral examination for that, the professors that were testing him, he was like, well, I mean, I'm going to use my Google Glass in this because this is how I would, you know, this is how I would live is with this thing on. And the professors were like, yeah, I mean, I guess if it's a part of what you're going to have on you all the time at, in any given situation while you're doing your work and communicating with people, there's no reason we could say that you can't have it because that's how you would function in life. So it's like he's just indexing oh. his whole life in this this device that he uses to interact with people on a day-to-day -day basis. Of course, we all know that Google Glass has never really took took off like it was uh, supposed uh, supposedly would, but uh, but yeah, that's a that's a whole thing. Yeah, I was actually just reading about Google Glass the other day, and one of the reasons that it didn't was because of like all these privacy issues. Because people were like, go out to a bar with your Google Glass, and you can record everybody around you without them realizing it. And so a bunch of places in California started banning them because they didn't want their patrons being recorded. That's what the security cameras are for. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. So yeah, I guess yeah, we we don't have CCTV like like uh, UK does. I mean, it's like so expansive there. It's it's kind of nuts to think about i guess I, I can see how google glass would be kind of like that i mean you can't dump like a huge amount of knowledge into your brain you still have to kind of read it or whatever as it comes across but yeah that's kind of a similar thing but it is cool how he's just like okay i can be an engineer now for a little bit i mean more so than other people you know you can't just read a book and instantly know everything but you're still better than someone who has never read the book 
that tells you how to do this stuff. So, and then Breeze shows up, and we we get to think about how his cane is an affectation. I guess you know noblemen are carrying dueling canes around, so I just kind of assume that's what the cane is. That we're not that Breeze is like a dueling guy, but and they got a nice conversation where Sage goes off on this big long rant about how cool canals and this engineering and stuff is. And Breeze is like, yeah, I don't care, but it's good to see you happy. Which is really just the ultimate distillation of Breeze. He's like, I don't care about any of what you're saying as long as you care. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Sage so t- talks about how he feels guilty for having, for enjoying what he's doing. And Breeze is like, why? Why would you feel guilty about what you are enjoying? It's not like you enjoy killing puppies. It's like, sure, I think you're crazy to love studying so much, but I mean, you know, if you want to enjoy something so particularly esoteric, then you should feel free. <laughs> it's like studying is just the weirdest thing. Why would you want to, you know, you do you, crazy guy. And they have a whole discussion about Tinned Will and why Says doesn't think he should be enjoying this and why Breeze thinks that it's okay. And really, Breeze is making a lot of sense here, I think. But once again, Says is in that place where he's still depressed about all this and doesn't want to think logically about it. But he's kind of coming around a little bit. But he does feel guilty that he's supposed to be in charge here, and he's basically let Spook take over. And I like Breeze is still like, dude, that's what being in charge is all about, making other people do stuff for you. He's not wrong. Uh, on some level, I, I mean, Breeze is like, yeah, if you're in charge, you just out, you know, outsource 100% of, every, of your entire job, which is not necessarily right, but... No, I, I can I can tell you from experience. Uh, if you delegate a hundred percent of your responsibilities, they will be done incorrectly. That is mm. true. Although Spook's doing a pretty good job, uh, better than Sazed at this whole leadership thing and taking charge. I think it's more just like Sazed doesn't really know what to do in this situation. So someone else has shown has shown up and said, "Yeah, I know exactly what to do." Sazed like, "Cool, you do you, man." Yeah, and, and well, and and Sazed gets the part in the plan that he's good at. It's like, oh, I have to study and like do academic type stuff. All right, this is my this is the best part, the best day ever. He's like, this is my jammy. And then Spook comes over after they talk about, you know, this guy's getting a little weird. Like, what's what's up with it? And Breeze is actually like, I think maybe I was wrong when I said we don't have a Kelsier earlier. His reputation is it could he could be our Kelsier for this situation. Which he's already the survivor of the flames, apparently. So you're behind on this trend, Breeze. And Spook says that he feels like they should have been attacked by now. And there's a funny bit in the annotations where Brandon's like, yeah, this is me partly basically saying, like, I kind of wanted to put an attack somewhere in here, like something small, an action piece. But I couldn't find a place where it worked in the story-wise, so it didn't go in here. And so Spook is partly, like, expressing my thoughts. We're like, I feel like there should have been something. We're fighting an army of robots, and I've got a bow and arrow. <laughs> None of this makes sense. And we get some talk about how Quellian came to power, which is interesting. I guess we didn't really, hadn't heard the, about that before. He just, we just knew he led the Animal Farm Uprising. But he came out and was like, hey, the mists, the survivor says the mists are our friends. So anyone who gets hurt by them must be evil. And then they started killing people, so it's like, ah, see, he's right. But we do get one interesting little knowledge nugget, as Joe likes to say, in that the nobility do not get mist sickness. And that's not like a genetic, it's not Ska that have mm. noble blood. It is peop, actual nobility do not get the mist sickness. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I wonder what that's about. 
And Breeze or Sazed rather is like, huh, I wonder if Ellen knows about this. Probably not, since like everyone he's with is Ska. And apparently the nobility the nobles back in Luthadel have just decided to stay inside and not risk going out in the mists. Babies. That'd be one hell of a way to find out that you're not fully noble. <laughs> if the nobility supposedly don't get miss sickness and all of a sudden you did. It's like <gasps> <laughs> All this time. <laughs> That would be funny. It's like, oh, it turns out your mother like had an affair with Ska Man at some point and didn't tell your dad about it. And Say says that he's going to take a few weeks to build this thing. The he's Basically, basically it sounds like he's going to take a big piece of wood and shove it over where the water comes out so that it can't come out anymore. He's invented the plug? Yeah, kind of. Because I don't think he's even shoving it in. It's just like going to lower down in front of the thing, so... And he even says that he thinks that the water's going to come back like stronger than it was originally. So that that'll be interesting. Not that we've ever we ever saw it originally. So, and then Gorodel shows up. And he's like, "Lord Spook, someone is waiting up above." And he's like, "What? Who? Dern? No, she says she's the citizen's sister." So I don't know if anyone was expecting Beldry to show up at the hideout. Can't say I was. You get the impression after this conversation we have with her that she's not super bright either. So maybe she and Spook make a good couple after all. <laughs> oh dear lord <laughs> it's just like breeze and Arian. they're both messed up but they work together because they're similarly messed up and so they sit there talking to her and she's like well i'm here because you're gonna kill my brother and says is like well what? what or breeze rather he's like why 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 would you think something like that do we look like the types who would be very good at that sort of thing yeah i like how all during this discussion too about possibly killing her brother like, we know Spook has threatened on multiple occasions, hey, I'm going to kill your brother. Right. And he like, he doesn't mention it to them at all. He's not like, yeah, yeah, I totally told her I was going to kill him. He's like, why would you think that? Because he said he would, like, many yeah. times. Everyone looks at him, he's just like, what yeah. can I say? Because even Beldry, Beldry doesn't say it. It was like, you could tell them that, like, he pointed Spook. It's like, he told me he was going to do it. Yeah, she, she kind of looks over at Spook at one point. And Breeze is like, oh, well, no, he's harmless. But she doesn't say anything. But then again, Spook doesn't give her a lot of chance because he immediately jumps in. He's like, Breeze, you're making us both look stupid. Beldry knows why we're here. So he kind of takes control of the situation and pisses Breeze off, as we see later. Uh, and she's, he's like, is that really why you came here? And she's like, you're not going to hurt me. You're the survivor's crew. And it's like, you guys really don't know the kind of stuff that Kelsier did. And uh, that his crew was into at various points. So says to asks why why would you trust us? And she's like, I guess men who lie don't save children from burning buildings. Which that's a false equivalency, but okay, I, I see where you're coming from. And then Spook, who is very take charge here, he's like, okay, Breeze, says all in outside. Gorodel, you watch her. He really has just taken over. And Aurin spent that entire conversation staring at her. And the first thing when they get out, she's like, I don't like her. And then it's like. I'm the only girl here. Why is this one here? I am the team's girl. Vin's <laughs> uh, not here anymore. I like when Breeze, when Breeze goes, yeah, of course you don't. She's competition. I was like, I'm glad you said it, Breeze. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then Arian's immediately like, competition from a timid little thing like that. <laughs> Whatever. <sighs> oh, so catty, Arian. And then when Spook's like, so what do you think, Breeze? He's like, what about you insulting me in there? Your pride really isn't important right now. My dear fellow, my pride is always important. Oh, Breeze. I've gotten so <laughs> fond of him. I know, right? But what everyone agrees on is that she's noble. 
I think it's a bit rich for Orion to say she grew up being pampered. I mean, <clears throat> all right, sure. How's how's that how's that pot calling the kettle black? <laughs> I guess in fairness to Orion, Orion doesn't sit there and go, "Well, she was pampered and I wasn't." She, as a pampered person, she seems to know. <laughs> it takes I one think, to know one. Yep. I think Orion is of the mind that because she has to riot people, she earned her pampering. Like she rioted people to pamper her. So she worked. It was hard work getting all quote unquote worked to get people to do what she wanted them to do. So in her mind, she may really think, well, like if I wasn't pamper, I'd I'd work for this. Interesting. Yeah, that's fair. I can say that. Yeah. Say's opinion is, well, she's clearly naive. Otherwise, she wouldn't have come here and expected us to just let her go. And I like they didn't even have to discuss it. They just all agreed. Uh, it's like, well, yeah, we're clearly not going to let her go. And but Spook's the one who comes up with the plan or the uh, not the plan to keep her, but like how to spin it. Where it's like, so Breeze, I mean, what do you think people would say if I spread a rumor that Citizen's sister turned against him and fled to our embassy for protection? And Breeze is like, ooh, no, that's good. That almost makes up for how you treated me. Have I mentioned yet how rude that was? <laughs> oh, I love Breeze. You can't. Nobody will believe I've deserted. It's like, oh, so, I mean, did you talk to the soldiers out there? It's like, no, I had to run past them so they couldn't stop me. Uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. So everyone saw you run into the building of your own free will past the guards so trying to avoid them and not be stopped. Uh-huh, yeah. No, 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 yeah, nobody's going to believe that uh, you really turned against him. Sure. It's like Spook and Breeze are just those two cops in in every TV show ever, just bantering each other. It's like, oh, yeah, look, they can say that you came in here of your own accord. Yeah, it doesn't look good, mate. Sorry. <laughs> That's true. It's very, like, buddy cop movie. That's a good point. Yeah. And I, I like, uh, sazed over here and things like, man, when did Spook get so clever? But now thinking, now with, with uh, the point uh, Joe made about, it seeming like maybe ruins behind this. I guess we can't even give Spook credit for being clever. That's sad. I mean, is it sad or is it expected? <laughs> we all know which one it is. Yeah. Peltry's uh, like, this is deceitful. What would the survivor say if he knew this? It's like, man, you really don't know Kelsier. <laughs> yeah, man. It's funny how you guys think you knew this guy. <laughs> it's like, Kelsier lied like as a hobby. Yeah, he like disguises too. He's very theatrical. Yeah, extremely theatrical. He was a thief before he was the survivor. I mean, come on. But they don't know none of that. I feel like that. I mean, that his reputation from being like the greatest goth of all time or whatever must be out there. Also, it's part of like what makes him so impressive. Yeah, but I don't think. I think. I mean, the way I read this is like once all the stuff happened with the Lord Ruler, like. That disappeared. He's not remembered mm. as a because people know him as Kelsier the Survivor, not Kelsier the Master Thief. Now people yeah. from the old days probably still remember, but the god, but the major story because because in all honesty, worldwide, are people going to know this super awesome thief from Luthadel? Probably yeah. not. But they if they know this guy the Survivor, that's who they know. They don't they don't know him for what he was. That's a good point. Yeah. I think it's also just like they go to any length to justify what he did. So even if like people knew him as a master thief and, you know, to be a thief, you have to be a liar. They would just say, yeah, but he was he stole from the nobles. He lied to the mm. nobles, not to us. We're the scar. Like he loved us. He wouldn't lie to us. He would lie to them, not us. Although apparently Baldry is a noble also. So 
or at least according to Alrian and Breeze, they, they're pretty sure. Yeah. Which makes sense if uh, if her brother is a misting, so maybe they're both actually nobility disguising themselves as Ska at this point. Which isn't that a turnaround? I mean, other than Breeze, I don't think we've ever seen that. Well, it's a good way. It's like Quellian's just like, all right, reading the room. Nobles are all about to die. Let's pretend I'm a Scar and lead the killing instead of being a part of it. Yep. It's like uh, actually actually a pretty good plan, honestly. It really, yeah. It's like in. Uh, have you guys watched Stargate SG One? No. no. Okay. Dead room. So yeah, when they there's there's this one guy who when their evil empire is about to fall, like his whole species of evil overlords is falling. He's like, I'm gonna pretend to be like one of the people that was oppressed and lead the like resistance movement so that I'll be like the last one of my species left standing when I destroy all the others and make it look like a popular uprising. So yeah, it's good evil plan. Okay. So the next epigraph, one can see Rowan's craftiness and his meticulous planning. He orchestrated the downfall of the Lord Ruler right before the preservation's power came back to the well. Just a few years apart, and he managed to get himself free. On the timescale of gods and their power, this was very tricky timing, as precise as an expert cut performed by the most talented of surgeons. So that's some that's some high praise for Ruin there. And then we get the Vin chapter, which, like I said, I think is my favorite here. I love the, the, the banter. Teldin... We we never knew all that well before, and I don't think I particularly cared for his character because he's like in the original in the first book he's like the womanizer of the group, and he kind of annoys me, but I like him here. Well, he really just does talk like a young Ellen here, like yeah. he has that same sort of cocky swagger, <laughs> um, mixed with some sort of faux humbleness. But when when Vin sees that or hears the door opening, she makes a run for it. She fl- drops coin, flies across the room, downs her last vial of metals rather than flies across the room. And she gets to the door in time to see a guy step through, but she kind of flies around him, gets into this other little room, but discovers that the trap door has been sealed and she cannot get out. No matter how much pewter she uses. So close. And I like that there's a bunch of workers there uh, who are, you know, opening and closing the door and stuff because it's a giant stone door. And they're kind of like, oh, shit, what, what are, are you going to kill us now? And the guy that we find out is Teldon is like, yeah, um, you know, trapdoor's really well secured. You're not going to get out. So and I like his whole speech where he's like, let me assure you of several things. First, that you're the only Alamancer here. So I have no doubt you could slaughter us all. But second, the stone is not going to move anytime soon. So you may as well sit down and uh, have a drink with me. <laughs> we'll have a pleasant chat. And so this is a heck of a plan that Yeoman or uh, or maybe Teldon. I mean, Teldon says that nobody thinks he's gonna uh, that this plan is gonna work. So I'm not entirely clear on if it's his plan or if it's Yeoman's plan, and he volunteered to be the psycho who went down into the pit with the tiger. He's like, okay, got two bottles of wine. One has a uh, extremely powerful sedative in it. And so she's like, wait, is this gonna be the that scene from The Princess Bride? Are we doing the the swapping of the cups and stuff. And he's like, Oh no, 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 I'm too thirsty for that. And also I've heard that you're not, you're not really patient. So which isn't that the truth? Vin's not. Yeah, the, that's, the that's not wrong. <laughs> and then he's like, Oh man, this wine really is good. I mean, Yeoman's a gentleman. If he's going to send his friend down to die in a pit, he at least provides expensive wine to soften the blow. So basically he's supposed to get her to drink some drugged wine so they can take her above for what reason he doesn't really say. And she's like, okay, but now you've told me that you have a way to make them open the door, so I'll just make you. And he's like, okay, so I'm sure that 
you could torture me enough and cut off some fingers until I do what you want. But I'm pretty sure the screaming would let them know that not everything is not copacetic down here. He's like, well, she's like, well, I could kill all the servants until you open the door. And he's like, oh, do you, do you think I care? And she's like, well, you're one of Ellen's friends. I'm like, well, yeah, but I don't care about the ska. He did, but we all thought that he was a weirdo for that. So, but uh, I thought that was a really good point to bring up that <laughs> it's like, yeah, Ellen was different from the rest of them. They might have swapped, you know, political and philosophical ideas, but at the end of the day, he was the only one that was fascinated with ska. Yeah, I mean, we saw how he really cared about like ska quality and stuff moving forward. So it's interesting that he, that was not an issue uh, that we comes up with Jastes or Teldon. Mm. We got the right man in charge after all, I guess. But he's like, you know, maybe if you kill enough of them, I would break. Uh, I guess you should get started then. <laughs> Just this guy is so it's so fun. He's like, look, kill, we all know kill you're enough, kill enough people. It might gross me out enough. <laughs> well, no, he's like, I'm not heartless. You know, maybe it would work. He seems a little bit heartless, but, you know, he's, he's also apparently very confident that she's not going to do it. So he can <laughs> say it all day long. <laughs> yeah, sure. Maybe it'll work. It's not going to work. <laughs> Spoilers. It won't yeah. work. Spoil. Yeah. I, I'm going to tell you this right now. These guys. They're dead either way. They just don't know it yet. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, all, all the servants are like, hey, hold on, what? We can't let you out of here, obviously. She looks at the servants and goes, hey, if I kill him, will you guys show me the way out? And they're just like, yeah, totally, man. <laughs> just imagine being one of those servants sitting in that room and just listening to this unfold. It's like, guys, this wasn't part of the plan. Oh, my God. He's gambling with our lives, <laughs> not with his own. Yeah, but I guess they're all Ska servants, and the uh, the yeoman rule has been like the old days of the Final Empire, True. where the Ska are just, you know, they're slaves who have to do what they're told and may get randomly killed if they piss somebody off, so it's not that far off the norm, I suppose. <laughs> uh, just another day at the office. Yep, this is where Joe can go back to It Sucks to be a Ska. We haven't heard that. I was about to say, it's been a while since we did that. <laughs> <laughs> True. I mean, let's be, let's be real. Uh, I think throughout this whole book, maybe it hasn't been as... Uh, as graphically sucky to be a ska, but I don't think it's ever been good to be a ska in this book, even in the second book. Eh, you're not wrong. Although in those situations, I feel like it's more it sucks to be everyone. Yeah, it's like it, it just sucks to be alive in this world. <laughs> it's like yeah. yeah, you get all the crazy like metal shooting magic powers, but on the whole, it actually <laughs> just sucks for everyone. Yeah, yeah. it sucks to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. But I, I do like that Vin thinks to herself, she's like, he's wrong about me. I, I would kill those servants in a second if I thought it would get me out of here, but it's not going to get me out of here. So, Because he's like, we've heard that you have the habit of killing kings and gods and maybe a soldier here and there, but Scott servants. No, no, you'd never do that. She's like, yeah, no, you're you're totally right. Sure. And so he makes a good point where he's just like, so, you know, unless you find a way to open those cans, you're going to starve down here. So death or me, me or death. And she kind of goes for it. Like she, she comes up with a like a half baked plan where she's like, maybe I can use the pewter to like burn away the drugs in my system and fake it. But even if that doesn't work, he's right. I'm going to starve to death down here. So I guess I'll take the gamble. And Telton's like, ha, they, they said you were a decisive one. All right. That's nice. And then once she downs it, he's actually surprised. He's like, man, I'll, she actually went for it. 
a servant's like, well, you'd be dead if she hadn't. We'd all be dead. And that's the last thing she hears because her plan to use Duralumin and Pewter works for like half a second and then does not. And she falls unconscious. So will Vin ever wake again? There was enough tranquilizers in that to bring down a bull elephant. Good Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and Vin's not a big girl either. She's a tiny little thing still. So, Uh, okay. So once free from, oh, this is the next epigraph. Once he was free from his prison, Ruin could start uh, influencing more people and things but before that he uh it was tougher it said he apparently began with people who were already had a tenuous grip on reality their insanity made them more open to his touch and he could use them to spike more stable people which doesn't really speak well for spook here yeah i mean spook's gotten spiked so it's it's not like he was crazy enough that ruin could manipulate him without a spike which seems yeah, i to guess be what this yeah but uh, if Zane was always crazy, maybe that explains where his spike came from. He was crazy enough to spike himself. Maybe. <laughs> Ruin's just like, hey, you see, you see that thing over there? That that railway spike-looking thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That just just stick it through your heart. I don't wanna do it. Kill you somebody else with it first, and then stick it in there. <laughs> It'll impress the chicks. Yeah, chicks love that. It's like a tattoo. It's like it's like an earring, but like a chest earring. So it'll be great. Or back. So if he had it as long as he could remember, it's like, how how old was he <laughs> if he was corrupted into doing this himself? That's true. <laughs> this would be a Although, really good idea. You pointed out last time that maybe it's like an uh, uh if you have it long enough, you kind of start to forget. True. So that could be part of it. And then we uh, we cut to Elland, who interestingly it says he could never manage Vin's horseshoe trick, where she uses the horseshoes and pulls and pushes so she can fly. To Ellen, the process looked like a cyclone of potentially lethal chunks of metal with Vin at the center. Which, yeah, okay. It's like, Vin seemed puzzled that he couldn't get it. It had only taken her about half an hour's practice. But, well, that was Vin. <laughs> she just does things. So Ellen uses coins to jump long distances, basically. He kind of hops with a big bag of coins to drop on his way. Which is what mo- most Mistborn do, I guess. I don't know that we've ever seen anyone else come up with the crazy Vin idea. Although we haven't seen that many Mistborn in total, honestly. Like he thinks, I hope Sazed and Breeze are having better luck in Urto. I don't know, kinda, I guess. The narrator just goes, they were not having more luck in Urto. <laughs> well, they got a plan. Things are kind of on the upswing for them. They've captured the citizen's sister. Yeah, but as we as we've talked, like we're pretty sure the one behind the plan is the per- is the one they're fighting against. So okay, fair point. And to be fair, they've captured. The citizen's sister, like my cat, once catched a bird, caught a bird, sorry. Terrible English today. She was yawning under a tree and a bird flew into her mouth. I don't think it qualifies oh, as she caught a bird. That's suicide, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, the end result was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a killer. I killed birds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we totally caught Beldry. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Greatest hunter ever. Meant to do it. <laughs> it's like, no, what you don't understand is I saw where the bird was going and I positioned myself there. It's just I knew works, ahead of works time. smarter, not harder. <laughs> he knew my cat. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, Mom, just give me this this one time. Come on. Yeah. Why, 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 why you got to do me like this? Oh, dear. Just give me She's this one. Look on her face. She was like, oh, a bird in my mouth. She, she, was, All more, right. she was more surprised than anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If a bird suddenly flew in, well, let me let me put it in a, a way that works. I guess since I'm not a cat, if a chicken nugget <laughs> flew into my mouth, I I that would be pretty surprising. 
Yeah. I feel like that raises a lot more questions about, right. like, where's, how is the chicken nugget flying? Where did it come from? Well, okay. Well, I guess let me rephrase it. If a bird, if a chicken uh, flew through the air, exploded and fried itself midair, and then went in my mouth, I would be pretty surprised. I think that makes it worse. Yeah, I think that makes it worse. It's like the spontaneous combustion doesn't help the situation. Yeah. Also, how did it get batter on it to get? Yeah, fried? where'd the breading come from? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. An elemental just happened? pushed pushed an air fryer into its path, and it was instantaneously <laughs> done. Yeah, exactly. Or, or it's like uh, it's like Minecraft, where something blows up and it just cooks the animal that it exploded. Yeah. And you end up with like cooked meat. Sure. But yeah, this chapter is uh, mostly Ellen killing Coloss. That's kind of the whole thing. Yeah, it's and real drag. He's having an internal crisis as he does it, where he's just like, why? And, and Vin has had a similar thing before, where she's like, I have all this strength. Why isn't it enough to protect the people that I, I'm, I'm supposed to protect? Mm-hmm. Like, it's very similar to something Vin went through, I think, just last book. So. And I'm just like. Dude, the last time she got captured, you didn't even have powers, and you just charged right in and, you know, effectively got her out. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Nah, he's more reckless back then. He didn't have as much to lose. He didn't I have guess. as much experience of the world to know yeah. how much there was to lose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, now, now, now he's wise enough to know how bad idea that was. Yeah. I think all of our Mistborn protagonists have had these thoughts in each book. Kelsier had it in the one where he watches his army get slaughtered. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Finn has it in the second book, and then now Kel- uh, now uh, Ellen's having it, and it's just like, yeah, I get it. It's just depressing, though. It is kind of a downer. That I mean, he's like, do all Mistborn go through this? Was this what like Shan Alario was thinking right before she tried to kill Ellen? <laughs> Maybe, probably. <laughs> She's like, why wouldn't he just marry me? Ugh, well, guess I gotta kill him. Although the theory that Ellen had in that book was that she was going to marry him to get like. Uh, to have the heir of House Venture and then kill him. So she wasn't real nice. Yeah, it was a real whole it was a real whole nine yards situation. Oh, you know, you you just imagine this whole depressed internal monologue. Gemmel's having that and he's thinking it's like, what if I never find the perfect fork? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If I can never complete my set of 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 silverware. Yeah. (laughs) Knowing what we know now about that story and, like, you know, how it was clearly just a test for Kelsier, I bet, like, Gemmel was totally just, like, fucking with Kelsier. He's like, what are we here to get? And, like, really, they weren't there to get anything. They were just there to have Kelsier fight that guy. So he's just like, this. Well, this looks good. I think, and I don't think that this is uh, a spoiler at this point, because the, the epigraph we just read, I think, has strong relevance to that story. In that uh, we know that Ruin was manipulating things to try to free himself, which included needing Kelsier to find this metal that eventually leads Vin to figure mm-hmm. out how to kill Vin. Mm-hmm. And we know crazy, from the crazy Ruin people. was in Gemmel. Yeah, because Gemmel was called crazy and stuff. Did Gemmel talk to himself? Did we hear that in the 11th metal? Yes. Yeah. Oh, he, he did, yeah. Did. At one point so, he said, no, something like, no, not this one. The others, yes, not this one, or something. Yeah, he's, yeah. Like, he's like, no, not him. I like him. He almost never complains. The others complained yeah. all the time. Yeah, it's totally Gemmel. Gemmel totally had ruin in him. You, you, we we cracked the case. Data <laughs> gave us the answer, but we cracked the case. <laughs> Taking credit. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. I, I, I mean, you know, we had the information to get there. It's, it's we have per, we have perspective now. It's okay. 
but yeah, Ellen does a lot of murdering Coloss in this chapter. It's uh, and he's not happy about it. And then really, I mean, he's trying to protect the people of the city partly, but at the same time, he's really here to get this army, right? Like he, that's the whole reason he showed up. And he thinks that they're so hard to control. There must be an inquisitor controlling them. Also, there's so many of them. He's like, there's always an inquisitor with groups this big, but an inquisitor never shows. So maybe he was, maybe he ran, maybe there never was one. It's hard to say. Well, maybe the Inquisitor is like, they, they've led Ellen to this point. I mean, Ruin seems to be playing a lot of long games at the moment. I think he's trying to set up, we, I mean, we know it with Spook, which he's trying to set up um, members of the crew to like take the fall and do things they wouldn't ordinarily do. So maybe mm-hmm. Ruin deliberately had an Inquisitor with this group of Kolos here and, you know, basically just planted it. They, they knew that Ellen lost his army of Kolos. And so now it's like, yeah, come get this one and do something stupid. Mm. Come on. You know, you want to. And so once Ellen took the, um, the Kolos, the Inquisitor's like, sick, he took the bait, I'm out. Uh, honestly, if Ruin's whole thing is just, you know, breaking stuff down, destroying stuff, probably the more people Ellen kills with an army of Kolos and the more cities he destroys, the happier Ruin is. But in the end, he gets the army. Uh, he takes control of them with a little Duralumen. And uh, an old man comes up. He's like, you're him, aren't you? The Lord Ruler. And Ellen looks down at himself and like, He's basically covered in blood from all the Kolos he's just slaughtered, and he's like, close enough. And then takes off. Doc. And the chapter ends with, he's like, he had to, he has to admit what he had decided unconsciously the moment he'd set out to find more Kolos. The time for killing has not ended at all. It's just begun. Wait, I mean, if he was going off to find thousands more Kolos, we knew what he was going to do with them. I mean, it's not a shocker. He apparently didn't want to admit it to himself. And then is this our last epigraph for this time is about the ash and the microbes, because we talked about the microbes earlier that the Lord Ruler created to eat the ash. But in the end, there was just so many of them, so much ash, rather, that it overwhelmed everything. It says, in the end, the entire system fell apart. Ash fell so steadily, killed the plants, killed the microbes. It killed everything. So that's good. So is this like in the end? after the events of this book or is this in the end just in general Mm, this is an excellent question we still don't know when this uh, person is writing except that it seems to be after all this has happened so well i mean the last chapter made it aware that like made it clear they were aware that penrod got taken so like which no one's learned yet so it's got to be sometime after all that at least yeah or at least i mean somebody who has the power to know what other people don't, at least, I guess. Because theoretically, well, I guess, and the, you know, somebody with godly power might be able to know that he was... Well, and the way that he talks about it, it's almost like it's a historical fact at this point. Like, it's mm. been something that they, they all knew about for a long time. He's like, here's an ex- Like, a great example is, remember the story of how Benrod got taken <laughs> over by Ruin? Like, that's, that's what it sounds like to me, anyway. Yeah, that's fair. But our last chapter is the Tensoon chapter. That's what everybody's been looking forward to. He's been gone for a little bit now. It's just the ultimate. Like, he comes back to Luther. And I was like, what the fuck? I was gone for, like, <laughs> a little while. What did you do? Everything is horrible now. Like, more horrible than usual. And it wasn't that great a place to start with. It did put into perspective how much had actually changed yeah. since Tensoon departed. It's like, he really, he really has literally no idea of what's happened, yeah. even to the point of, you know, uh, Emperor Ellen Venture. He's like, please tell me it's not Straff. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, he, yes, he's been out of a loop pretty much this whole book, but he's been out of a loop 
in the year between books and at the end of the last book he was he was already absent so yeah a lot a lot has changed there yeah i think my the 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 my favorite part of the book is that or this chapter i mean is that at this point everybody like secretly knows yeah penrod's gone insane like mm-hmm. everybody in the city knows like our king is nuts and we just have to wait for the emperor to get back i guess to fix this because he's literally told the Scott, fight to survive, like, kill each other for food. Like, it's crazy. And, like, as a dog, he's running through the streets and people are like, oh, I'm going to eat that dog. That's good yep. eating. <laughs> That's good eating. Yeah. He's, he's just like, no, no, I'm meant to eat you, not the other way around. It's true. I wonder what happened if you try to eat a conjure. Like, would he start burning you from the inside as he ate you back? That's... It's like, you know, you, they try and cut into him. It's like something out of the thing with, like, shit just flying <laughs> everywhere. And turns, into like, ah! turns into a monster. And like, he's feeling guilty, too. He's like, I shouldn't have left her. I should, I should have just stayed and told her what I knew. The world might end because of my stupid honor. Very Zuko. And so Tensun kind of goes around town trying to hear, like, you know, find out some information. And he can't get a whole lot. He does hear about the crazy king, which, yeah. And I do, I do like the part that Jamie mentioned where it's like, oh, there's an emperor? Man, I sure hope it's not Straff. That guy sucks. But he can't believe that Vin was beaten. He's like, Vin is is invincible. She killed Zane when he had to add him, and she didn't. Like, you can't stop her. And then he thinks about how he killed Orsor and apparently tortured Orsor first to get information out of him, like they're supposed to, which we still don't know how that works. But uh, apparently there were screams, so. It's like. Yeah, they, they tortured him like they were supposed to. So, like, the Kandra aren't allowed to kill humans, but they're allowed to torture them for info? Or is well, that what the humans... The humans do that, and then the Kandra yeah. just listens. I think in the last book, she said that, like, the human tortures the subject for information. And right. so that they... And, or also, they're supposed to, like, you know, quietly, like, try to follow the person before they take over and find out information. Yeah. I don't know if that would have worked in this case. Yeah, spy on them. But one of the pieces of information that he got out of Warsaw was the location of Kelsier's bones, which every time they use this, I'm just like, see, there's your ultimate proof that it's uh, it, they can't reveal later on that oh, Kelsier wasn't really dead after all, because there's people walking around using his bones for shit. So <laughs> they can't give you that kind of like crazy plot twist. He'd only seen the survivor once, but with his expertise in imitation, it was worth a try. So... That answers a question that we had earlier, whether it's like, do they have to eat the person or they have to at least see them? That came up not long ago, I feel like. Also, he apparently has no hair for Kelsier, so it's like he's going to have to be bald. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Lord Kelsier, why are you wearing a hat? <laughs> <laughs> he's got his hood up later. It's very, you know, Miss Porny. Yeah. And in the annotations, Brandon mentions, it's like, probably shouldn't surprise you too much that Tensun has seen Kelsier before. We did see Tensun as the Venture Chondro once in the first book, and Tensun was actually there the day Kelsier fought in the Square of the Survivor, just like Ellen and Straff were also there. And it's kind of funny you guys mentioned the scientific thing, because in this same section, he talks about the epigraphs in this book and how they're so much different from the previous two books' epigraphs. And he goes, I do worry that they're too scientific for the feel of the book. So that kind of goes along with what you guys were saying. But he has he has justifications, obviously, for that. Oh, and our friend from the previous book, who we were told to watch out for, Wellen, makes his return. How exciting. So he stayed in the city after what happened to him in that city? Yeah, I mean, I guess he was part of 
Set's army, and Set's army got absorbed into Ellen's army, so he was just part of the group that got left behind to guard the city. Yeah, I guess. And he mentions in the annotation, he's like, oh yeah, so here's the cameo by Wells slash Wellen. You may remember him from the previous book. He was with Set's army and joined Ellen's army, which all the stuff I just said, basically. And he mentions here that it's his friend, Dan Wells, which we knew from the previous one, whose first novel, I Am Not a Serial Killer, comes out in March 2010. So... What a great name for a book. I tell people that all the time. So Wellen and this other guy, who's this guy, Riddle, are guarding something? Are they at the city gates? Where where are they here? They're waiting to be relieved on guard duty by these other guys who are apparently always... I think it's the... I think it's Keep Venture, like the palace. That would make sense. And uh, all of a sudden, a guy strolls through the mists and says something... Wellen thought that something about him looked familiar... And Riddle drops to the ground. He's like, oh, gosh. Apparently, Riddle has a, a silver spear pendant, so he's a church member. And Wellen recognizes him from a painting that depicted the survivor of Hathsin. And uh, Tenson gets very uh, dramatic with his and not quite Kelsier kind of dramatic. Like, I have come to tell you I do not approve of how this city is being run. My people are sick. They starve and die. <laughs> Come, son of Jarrell, kneel before Zod. Uh. <laughs> nice. He's like, tell me about who rules this city. And they're like, oh, King Penrod? He rules for Emperor Ellen Venture. And that throws even Tensoon off. He's like, wait, Lord Ellen Venture? Okay. Um, all right. So he approves of how the city's being run. And they're like, no, no. The Lord Penrod's kind of gone crazy. He talks to the air. Okay, so somebody else talking to somebody who's not there. Yeah. <laughs> Claims he can see the Lord Ruler standing beside him. Oh, dear. We were just talking about how Ruin should pretend to be the Lord Ruler, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a whole thing, right? Like, uh, Penrod's nuts. But I think my favorite part of this scene is, like, when one of the guys is like, wait, if this is really Kelsier, would he have to, like, the survivor, wouldn't, would he have to ask this? Shouldn't he be, like, omniscient? Yeah, maybe that's one of the benefits of having a, a god who was human first. It's like you're not necessarily attributing all this uh, omniscient type stuff. It's kind of like the the Norse gods were uh, not necessarily like all seeing, all knowing. Odin had like his you know ravens or whatever, and uh, his foresight, but they weren't. Uh, they're much more human than some other gods, I guess. Yeah. So he asks where Vin is, and they're like, "Oh, uh, the Empress? Well, she's with the Emperor." We have no idea where that is. My sergeant says the Emperor is in the South fighting Kolos, but I heard other men say he was in the West. And Kelsier, Kelsier, Tensun, whatever, you know. It's like, that's not very helpful. <laughs> but Wellen was, is aware of Breeze and uh, his small party that went north to Erto, which apparently was kind of a secret mission on some level. And uh, Tensun's like, okay, well, fine. That's uh, I'm going to have to leave. But tell the people that... Uh, when the mists leave, they should immediately find shelter, a place underground. So he's anticipating the mists leaving and people needing to take shelter for some reason. And Wellen's like, like, like the caves where you train your army? And he's like, yeah, whatever. Doesn't matter. Bye. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that when uh, you're impersonating like like Jesus, basically, you don't want to just say stuff offhand and be like, hey, yeah, whatever. yeah, whatever. It's, uh, it makes me think of uh, <laughs> DBZ Abridged where Goku's just like, yeah, cool. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Bored now, leaving. So Tensun takes off then. He's like, okay, well, this is the best information I can find. At least if I can find, like, Breeze, 
he should be able to t- give me more information, better information about this stuff. Oh, somebody finds him as he's trying to like get his dog bones back. I'd forgotten this bit. And he's like, hey, no, go talk to those guards at Keep Venture. Uh, I, Kelsier, have chosen them to lead you. <laughs> Penrod has been corrupted by ruin, the thing that seeks to destroy the world. Gather the faithful and escape mm. the city. So that's nice. like, uh, yeah, Tensun knows what's up, too. He does. He was the only one who knew anything about ruin and preservation. That's where we heard about them from. So we still don't know how much they know, though. Like, this is the one guy who might have some information to help beat Ruin, and he can't find Vin. And so, yeah, he, he takes the sack of uh, Kelsier bones and takes off, heading to Urto, hoping that he is on the right path. So it's not a, a really long Tensoon chapter, and we don't really get new information exactly, except that this, things in Luthadel are much worse than even we knew. But it's a pretty cool chapter. Okay, let us do... As the world is falling apart around us now, let us move into predictions, predigments. What do you guys have for this week? Who's going first? Yeah, I was about to say, no, nobody wants to volunteer to go first. Dak talked. He can go first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. That's right. I've been writing them down as we go. Okay, so uh, up in Urto, like, I think Ruin is, like, Ruin is definitely possessing Spook to destroy this, like, ruin the cash. Uh, he want, like He's trying to get the water to come back up into the into the town so then the cache of supplies is going to have a lot less water involved so it's just going to be you know destroy the supplies that people have i still think beldry is is the secret power in the city but i don't think she, i don't i longer think she was in charge i think she was actually was a pawn of ruins and she was manipulating quellian on ruins behalf but now that Quell, now that spook is ready to bring down quellian he's a much more useful pawn to ruin so mm-hmm. beldry's just aligning with him I don't think she's as dumb as people as as she comes off. I think that's an act that Ruin's putting her through. I think the end goal here is Ruin wants to use the survivors crew to really fuck the world up more and just fracture the crew a little bit and just so they can have the whole oh god what have we done moment. Hmm. Um, and but yeah, Tensoon like Tensoon's going to show up there. Um, he's going to like instantly pick out what's going on with Spook and that Ruin uh, has possession of him there. I think it would be hilarious if like Spook is talking to Kelsia and then and then Tensoon walks in with Kelsia's bones appearing as him and and Spook just goes what the hell two of them and Ruin just kind of goes ah oh, fuck okay all right I have to... <laughs> shit I'm gonna have to change it up I want I want it to be one of the like that scene with the Spider Man pointing at the other Spider Man I was thinking, no, thinking more like, I was like no I'm the real Santa we're all the real Santa and then Breeze can walk in it's like I'm his good friend Breeze. <laughs> so okay the if, holiday armadillo <laughs> if beldry is the one who's being manipulated by ruin do you think that she sees like a survivor also and that's why she's the like would she's so certain the survivor wouldn't approve of this i mean possibly but we don't know if she even knows what kelsey it looks like so ruin could be appearing to her as anything um that's true i mean if it's a given the familial stuff uh, with her and Quellian, like, Ruin could also be appearing as a long-dead parent, and so she's just going, like, Dad wants you to do this, or something. <laughs> Creepy. Yeah, okay, I'm with you. Yep. I don't have a lot of extra predicaments this week. I, yeah, I am definitely interested in the bones of Kelsia rocking up with Book and fake Kelsia. And Kelsey's coming together. I think that's going to be quite interesting. But if Tensoon wants to talk to Breeze, I think we 
realistically are going to be faced with that situation, he's going to have to wear Kelsia's body because Breeze doesn't know that the wolfhound was a Kandra either. Mm, so you can't just yeah. you can't just walk into the city as this wolfhound and start talking to people. It's not going to work. So yeah, I think that's that's really bizarre. And I think that having Tensoon and Kelsia's bones, that is he is going to be in a position then to actually open up to Sazed what's possibly going on with Spook because he will have a bit more information that needs to be shared. So I think it will be a while before we see him and Vin reunite, but I think they will probably end up reuniting closer to Urtau than they will uh, Fadrex City, but kind of depends on what happens with Vin next. I think I was sort of thinking that maybe they would like burn away all her medals so that she couldn't do anything when she was up on the surface anyway. But we'll see. I guess we'll see what happens when she wakes up. But, yeah, that's, I think, about all what I got. I'm a bit a bit worried about Ellen. Going, it, it, the fact that he's gone, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, I'm the Lord Ruler. It's like, whoa, <laughs> that's, that's dark, man. You're not yeah. the Lord Ruler. He's you're you're going through place. a dark time and having to do things you don't like to do, but you, you're not there yet. And I hope this isn't a moment where he's just sort of resigned himself to that fact and gone, yeah, okay, this is this is who I am. But we'll see. He might be able to turn it around. I'm feeling good about Sazed as well. I think he's starting to come around. Yes, he's still got a long way to go, you know, and coming through his grief about Tindwell, but it was really nice to see him a bit excited and mm-hmm. he's sort of opening up to Breeze and I think that's actually a really nice friendship they've got sort of going at the moment, which I hope continues you know, they've both seen some stuff. They've been through a lot of stuff, especially in the last book. So it's nice that some of those conversations that Sazed needs to have just from a, a human grief process, um, he's finally able to do a bit of that, which is good. So I'm feeling I'm feeling much better about Sazed than I was at the start of the book. Mm, that's good. Uh, yeah, that's that's all I've got this week, really. Yeah, I, the the... the it's sad that Ellen's got in such a headspace, like where he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm basically the Lord ruler at this point. Like that's how bad I, I'm. And it's even sadder that he doesn't have anyone at this point that he can like talk to. All the people he would normally, Vin's captured, Sazed is on the other side of the Empire. Even Breeze might have been, you know, emotionally helpful in some way, and he's not there either. So he's got nobody to confide in at this point. It's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he's even sent Damu away. So yeah. All he's got left is set. And Ham. But Ham's not. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Ham's not really cool with a lot of stuff. Mm. Not super supportive. Yeah, I mean, Ham is is so... uh, I I can argue both sides of an argument that he's not that supportive to to one side often. And set is worthless, as we all know. So... (laughs) Ham at least does seem to call people out when they do awful stuff, like First book when Kelsey nearly got Damu killed in a fight for the sake of spectacle. Ham's just like, what the fuck, man? Not cool, dude. Not that he did anything to stop it, yeah. but he, he called him out a little. He's like, hey, that's not cool. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Joe, what do you got? Yeah, I don't have a lot this week either. I guess let me kind of take it line by line here. So the spook stuff, the Beldre stuff, I don't think that's going to work out well. I really think that Ruin is basically calling the shots now. Spook's just leaning into it because it feels good, you know? It's easy to just do what your mentor says and not have to think about well, why you're doing it or 
any ulterior motives because at this point he you know he doesn't think that this quote unquote Kelsier person would have bad motives. You, sorry, you just made me realize that it's like, oh, this is what Breeze was talking about. Delegation, get someone to do everything else. That's what Ruin's doing with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I Breeze think. It's, it's all good. <laughs> I mean, I think Ruin may be doing it out of necessity since apparently he has some kind of body that he can't get to. Point. Uh, it's a good point, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and so, yeah, all of the machinations that have gone into what Ruin is about and what Ruin's trying to do, I mean,. I think we've we've come to realize that this ruin preservation yin yang thing, based on what we've read, it's like these are some kind of gods that created this world, and so the timing that he that that like like they say in the epigraph, the timing that this this ruin had to make everything go right. Which I mean, I guess if you got nothing but time in a well, you know, you might you might start working stuff out like that, especially if you can push people one way or the other. It's just kind of insane. The one thing I well we'll get to that here in a second actually. And then as far as as Ellen stuff goes, yeah, it's just kind of grim, man. He's going through something, which you know it's not it's not abnormal for him to go through something like this. But I think I think what we're seeing here with with him being separated from Vin is kind of necessary to the story because earlier in the book I, I think we're leading up to Vin has her own mission and and Ellen has his own mission, and at some point their missions are going to collide and um and help to take ruin down um since they can't speak with each other about it mm. they've just kind of got to go off on their own and figure it out and then kind of come together later that would be my guess based on what we've read so far in the book and them talking about that like okay well i'll do my part and you'll do your part and when and when we need each other we'll give each other a sign and like that's how we'll know it's like we'll know when we we need to come together on this so I think that's probably the necessity of them being separated story-wise. It's like they've got to they've got to do their own thing right now to kind of figure things out. It makes sense. So yeah, it's kind of grim and sad, but I mean I think that's kind of why Ellen's going on this trip, and he's like, okay, I'm preparing for war because I gotta get to, I gotta do this. And then uh, what was after that? Uh, after that was Tensun, right? Yeah. So Tensun. Oh well, uh, the Vin, the Vin chapter. I don't remember where that fell in the the thing there. Yeah, Vin. I feel like Vin was before Ellen, but I could be wrong. Yeah, may have been. Anyway, Vin. Uh, it looks like. Well, I guess I tied that in with the Ellen thing. It's like they all got, they both got to do their own thing right now. Mm. And then uh, Tensun, I I I hope he shows up in Erto at just like the precisely right time. I think it would be hilarious if he walked in wearing Kelsier's bones and then Spook's like, wait, what? Like Dax said, I think that would be super funny. But I don't know what's going to happen with Tensun. I really hope he comes in and somehow just like completely saves the day. That would be a lot of redemption for him. Because I feel like Tensun is the character right now that's on like a redemption arc. You know, it's mm. like he he did all these things for his people and his culture and he thought he was honorable. And then he goes back and he's treated with dishonor. And it's like and, you know, he hurt Vin and but he was her friend. And so he's on it. I think I feel like he's on the redemption arc in this book. So maybe we'll get Hopefully he doesn't have to sacrifice himself, but maybe we'll see some self-sacrifice to like save the day from Tencent. That would be pretty cool. He kind of did some self-sacrificing in the last book, though. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. But yeah, I mean, we still got a lot of book to go. Uh, yep. I think we're, what, like 60-something percent through the 63% way? 63% at the end of this. Yeah, so we got we got a good chunk of book to go, so there's plenty of time for, plenty of time for lots of things to happen. And um, yeah, I think that may be where we're headed, generally. 
the, the prospect of him showing up and doing the, the dueling Kelsiers with Ruin Kelsier is fun. I almost think it would be more fun. <laughs> Jamie's idea was like, well, he can't just show up as a dog and start talking. I want I want to see him walk in and be like, sup? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, did, 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 did I never tell you guys? Um, uh... That's true. Because at this point, <laughs> did she even tell Ellen that the dog talked? Ellen knew. Uh, yeah, Ellen, Ellen, Ellen talked knew. to Conjure, the Conjurer, yeah. Did Says okay. know? I don't think I don't anybody else Saze. knew. I think it was just I think, Ellen. I think yeah. it was just okay. them. Because she's like, I'm playing this close to the vest because somebody's a conjurer and we got to figure it out. Right. So I feel like, and then and then he was gone. So I feel like he she never told that told them. I really hope that um it it, it winds up being like he walks in as a dog and starts talking and Breeze just like stands there dumbfounded, looks at Says and just goes, "Is there anything in your metal minds about this?" And <laughs> and and, and Says just goes, "Oh yeah, like some ancient religion worship talking dogs all the time, man." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and inside, but internally, says just going, "What the fuck?" <laughs> it, it, I want it to be a very Final Fantasy VII movie where they're like, "It talked," and he's like, "I can do many things. I'll talk as much as you want later. Now's not the time. We gotta go." <laughs> Was it like um, Dragon Ball the Bridge is like they're all sitting around Goku in the hospital bed, and um, Corrin just like says something, and Master Roshi looks at him and goes, "Did that cat just talk?" <laughs> Which doesn't make sense because they were friends, but it was funny. There's my favorite webcomic is Girl Genius, which is like a steampunk sort of webcomic that's about mad science. But there's like a, a this like genetically engineered talking cat who's the emperor of all cats and can give cats orders. But anyway, it's just there's always every time somebody's like, oh, man, stuff couldn't get weirder. The talking cat shows like, oh, yeah, I know what you mean, man. And it's just always plays great because no one expects the talking cat. But also, like he's like he's going to get there. And it's like it's not going to be the dog walking in and going. Like, oh, hey, everyone, what's going on? It's going to be the dog walking in. He's gone, I got told Vin and Ellen were here. Where the fuck are they? He just walks in. He's like, has anybody seen Vin? I'm looking for Vin. I haven't. Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> you guys might remember me. I don't know. It's like, who are you? <laughs> oh, you don't remember me? Uh, hold on. Let me switch bones. Yeah. And then shows up. He's it's like, like hey, guys, it's me. Where's Vin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's even better. Kelsier walks in. It's like, oh, hey, guys, long time no see. I'm looking for Vin. Have you seen her? I'm, yeah. I, I just need to talk to her. Yeah. Ham's like, and like Ham, Ham says, yeah. like, I was like, oh, do you like my haircut, guys? Like, what do you think? <laughs> you know, I thought going bald would be kind of different. So I just thought I figured I'd try it. Right, Breeze and Ham are like, uh, Breeze, not Breeze and Ham. Breeze and says are like crying, like, you're back. And he's just like, yeah, it's me. Anyway, where's Vin? Of course, Breeze and Says know that a conjurer got his bones, so it's true. That might be their first thought. <laughs> well, especially if he changes bones right in front of them. Well, because well, like, what do those guys think happened to Arasua? Like, because I mean, she started yeah, playing around know. with the dog. She didn't. She didn't tell him like the the conjurer was the dog. Oh wait, didn't she um, tell them that she dismissed him? Yeah, she dismissed him. Yeah. Oh, right. So he walks in, and there's like Arasua. Where the hell have you been? And Tenzin's like, oh, I've got a lot to catch you up on. Yeah, long story. <laughs> it's kind of awkward. Um, yeah, or Sir was dying because he'll be ten soon. Uh, uh, <laughs> classic. I still love that. Yeah, it was the best. Uh, okay, this week we have a couple emails. Let's do actually, we have one new review. Let's do that first before I forget that it exists. And this one's actually like a month old at this point, and I don't know why I kept looking and it didn't tell me there was a new one. And then one day it was like, oh, yeah, here's one from uh, March 16th. It's like, oh, OK. But uh, this one is from Luxembourg. And uh, oh, wow, the person who left it is called Lark Larkire, Lark 1 R.E. And it says Larkire. Awesome. OK, yeah. 
I assume that the one is supposed to be like leet for uh, an eye. Uh, I don't know. Sure. For sure. Uh, uh, it's just awesome and fun. If you want, if you want to listening to a group of friends discussing Brando Sandoz books, then this is perfect. The hosts are the perfect mix between clueless and insight, knowledge, silliness, and serious discussion. Their predicaments are the highlight of each episode. So thank you, Larkar. Appreciate it. Awesome uh, that someone from Luxembourg is listening. Uh, that, that's a new one. Yeah. Larkire, my man, you are a thug, bro. Or woman. Or woman. My bad. Thug, nonetheless. Welcome to the Misting Crew. If you would like to be inducted into the Misting Crew, just leave a five-star review on whatever review platform you can. And you, too, will be inducted into the Misting Crew. Well, I, I didn't actually mention that. That was a five-star, which is good because he's already done the thing. Yeah, so you're in the Misty Crew. <laughs> no tech backs. It's too late. No, yeah. Yeah. Too late Ooh, to say awkward. <laughs> yeah. As long as, hey, man, as long as it's five stars, you can say whatever you want. You can call me. Bitch. I don't care. Five stars. Yeah. I hate that Joe guy, but everyone yeah. else is great. Total dick bag, but hey, you're in the Misty Crew regardless, you know? This is imagining it's like a five star review that says, I actually wanted to give three stars because I love Spook and he's my favorite, but I want to be in the Misty yep. Crew. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's, that's, what it, I love that's, so that's really what I want. I want five star reviews that say what people really think, even though it's five stars. <laughs> so in in the uh, in the Discord, people are starting to get discouraged and be like, "Oh man, I don't know if if they're ever gonna like spook," and I feel sad. <laughs> Why? Well, I, like, I, yeah, I just don't. Joe's I don't understand. Gonna... <laughs> How about this, guys? You know. <laughs> After we're done with the stories that involve Spook, if this is the last one, Dana, is this the last one? Oh, no, yeah. Spook comes back every every book forever. Oh, well, Obviously. never mind then. <laughs> no, but I mean, whenever we're done with Spook, if I haven't come around, I'll give you an email address. You can email me and tell me why I should rethink my thoughts on Spook. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'll respond, or maybe I won't. But That'll be, uh, that'll be the next holiday special is just yeah. discussing Spook. Yeah, exactly. Spook in retrospect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. View, it'll view it'll be me only, and I'll just be going through your letters about Spook, and I'll tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> See, can't get more fair than that, right? Yeah. I mean, I've got an open mind. It's just not a stupid one. We got uh, we have two emails <laughs> today. I'm, I'm I'm blowing right past it. Uh, I gotta remember that line. Yeah, right. And interestingly, they both give their names, and then. Tell me how to pronounce their names, which I appreciate. I've just never – like two, two emails in a row this time. So the first one is from Leela, and Leela says, hi, my name is Leela, pronounced Leela as in Taronga, and I recently started listening to your amazing podcast. I discovered this person the cosmos- knows what we like. Yeah, exactly. Like they're, 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 uh, they're up with the episodes. L-E-E-L-A, Leela. It's spelled L-I-L-A, and that's why they had uh, to tell me sorry. the pronunciation. It's L-E-E-L-A, yeah. I discovered the Cosmere last summer while driving across Canada, and I've been trying to get everyone I know to read them because I love watching people go through stories for the first time when I know all the twists and turns and see if they react the same as me. I I can't relate to that at all. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Driving Uh, across Canada, that's bold. I know. That's kind of cool. I'd I'd be interested in doing that. I don't know. Driving that long can be painful, though. It's like, what, 80 billion kilometers or something? Uh, 80 billion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's rough. I, I feel like it's rough when I want to go to, like, the closest large city, which is, like, two and a half hours away. That's true, yeah. Driving to Dallas takes uh, takes a bit of time. I was just 
So Leela says, I started listening to the Shardcast podcast, which is absolutely amazing, but they're also knowledgeable about Brandon's works that I feel like such a beginner. That's why I love your podcast. I'm amazed at how spot on some of your predictions are, too. Before I could tell whose voice was whose, I sometimes would think, why is this person completely spoiling this twist for the rest of them? But you guys are just excellent at predicaments. I haven't quite caught up yet, so I don't know how far you are. Data, please feel free to censor and or save this next part until the appropriate time. Uh, the next part is, I can't wait to see everyone's reactions to learning how coloss are made. I freaked out so hard when I read that. I had to just sit and stare for a few minutes. Brandon, WTF, it's one twist I don't think you guys have seen coming, and it really adds a dark twist to human. Hearing you guys talk about how sweet it is, that, how he wants to emulate humans, I was that way too. It made me shudder when you realized the truth. You are right on the money with that. That was... Ugh. Yeah. It was gross. I don't think any of us really saw that coming. I don't think that was something that, uh, I don't know, besides them saying they wanted to be human, I don't know that that's something that we really could have predicted. No, we, we, we didn't talk that much about where you guys, like, how, where you guys think Koloss came from, because all we knew was the Lord Ruler created Koloss, and we knew that Tensun said that they were, like, cousin to the Chondra, and that's, like, all well, the information yeah. we had. Well, that's it. It's like, we, we thought for so long, like, you know, Kandra were created from, like, these other creatures that existed out in the world, so we I think I just kind of assumed that Koloss were as well, and thinking about it now, it's like, well, Inquisitors are created from people, so why not the Koloss? Yeah. Well, in the whole first book, we spent time talking about the Koloss, but we never actually see... Yeah, because we haven't seen read them yet. What, yeah. yeah, you don't read what one looks like until the second book, so, like, I remember in the first book, I thought Koloss might be, like, large dinosaur things. Like, I had no idea what they even were. They're dinosaurs, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm imagining, like, T-Rex with cannons for shoulders and stuff. I think it's like a well, dinosaur I say, body. I didn't say I... Digimon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Digimon! Oh my gosh, yes! Oh, I just sort of picture, like, a you know, dinosaur-looking sort of body, but, like, a mouth like a sandworm from Dune, for some reason. Yeah. Ooh, that's creepy. Yeah, that's not bad. I thought they'd be like brontosauruses, but you know, can't carnivorous for some reason. I don't know why. Ooh, that that's hardcore. It's like the super long necks that just reach out. And mm -hmm. reach out. Mm. That's why I thought it would be easy for them to like completely destroy a village. It's like they just crane their necks over the walls and eat people. It's like Attack on Titan, but with dinosaurs. <laughs> Attack on Dino Titan. No, that doesn't. Brandon, work. write this story. Yeah, write this one. Titan this Dino. Yeah, Attack on Dino Titan. This this is not really. He's talked about a couple of things that he's he's working on writing and wanting to write, and it's not really. There's 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 one magic system that he talks about. He's like, I've always wanted to do this. I don't know where it could possibly fit, but like, kite magic, magic with kites, and I'm like, what? <laughs> what? what? Like Ben Franklin over here? Like just kite like, man. Let me Hell yeah. Key. Kite man. Be random. It, yeah. Right, it is, and he's working on a, a book that's not in the Cosmere that uh, was originally called like Death and Pizza, and it was about like a pizza delivery guy who was a necromancer. But now it's it's going to be like a, a heavy. It's about a heavy metal singer who's a necromancer or something. Oh, man. But it, is it still called Death and Pizza? I don't think so. I think he's going to have to change the name because I think he's removing the pizza aspect. If I remember his last statement, it's like uh, it's going to be like death metal, but like uh... death is like emphasized. Maybe. But, um, uh, but anyway, so, and the last thing Leela says is, uh, last thing, I think it's hilarious how much you guys hate spook slang. <laughs> Wasing to the time of next. Leela. Yeah. Wasing to the whistle. It's your boy, Spook Dizzle. <laughs> Thank you, Leela, for your email. That was awesome. Yeah. And our next email is, uh, it says, hi, what's up? My name is Lucia. And then there's a pronunciation, Lucia. 
And I've been listening to your podcast since October 2020, I think. And I just wanted to thank you. Oh, since October 2020, I think. And I just wanted to thank you for delivering such great form of entertainment. I first discovered Brandon Sanderson last year when someone recommended Mistborn. And since none of my friends love books as much as I do, I looked up Mistborn on Spotify to listen to a podcast and be as able as possible to be a part of a discussion. And you guys appeared. I've listened to many book podcasts, and I have to say I love your structure. A chapter-by-chapter commentary and final predicaments are a great format. And as someone said previously, I'm glad none of you have annoying voices. Thanks. Appreciate that. Apart from the fact that you manage to read, record, edit, and upload every week, even though two of you live in different time zones, and all of you have a life and a job apart from this is astonishing. Appreciate it. It, it takes some work sometimes, but we try. Jamie and Dak are on their delayed first anniversary trip right now, but they took time out to come and record with us because they're that cool. Yeah, COVID was a hell of a thing. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Hey, um, wait, did she say that our voices aren't annoying? <laughs> Yes, that is what she's saying. Hold on. Hey, hey, babe. My voice isn't <laughs> annoying. <laughs> that'll teach. That'll teach her. He's like, I have proof now. <laughs> Validates. She's, she's probably going to walk in here and be like, why are you yelling at me? What's why happening? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, the, the next part of this email is great. So it says, anyways, enough of the compliments. I need to get something off my chest. I'm so happy that Joe and I agree on hating spook. It's really a relief. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> At first, I didn't I feel like him. I've, sorry. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I'll let no, you finish. Go ahead. No. Good. I was going to say I feel like I was the first like hardcore hater, but I feel like we've <laughs> all kind of jumped on the wagon of like, come on, spook. Get Joe hated him before he it was cool. Is what he said. Uh, I mean, I'm really late to this book. What did the first one come out in like 07? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm late to the game. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay. I think the rest of us were sort of ambivalent, but then with his antics, especially around women and yeah. you know, getting the evil lord into his head, we're just like, oh, fuck's sake, dude. <laughs> I like Spook okay, but I, I can very easily admit that he's he's not the, the brightest bulb and he does some stupid stuff that he should not be doing. Like, okay. I fully expected Breeze to be the one I would hate. And, <laughs> like, no longer. I've gotten so attached to that twit. Yeah, right? Yeah. We've really done a 180 on Breeze. Anyway, sorry to interrupt your email. Please go on. It says, at first I didn't mind him as much. His dialect wasn't annoying to me, and I thought that he was just going to be there. Then in book two, he started complaining about how he wanted to be someone and do something important like Vinner Ellen, and I was just, and then there's an eye roll emoji. And says, and then I read Brandon's annotation saying that in the third book, he was going to be more of a main character, and I seriously debated on finishing the series. Well, maybe not that seriously. It was just a thought. But every chapter in the third book where he appeared was literally painful to go through, apart from the fact that he sees boobs and can't keep two thoughts straight. I just didn't care and didn't feel sorry for his past and couldn't care less if he died or not. So thank you, Joe, for expressing everything that I felt while reading it. That's why I'm here. <laughs> why he's making a hate rap. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not a hate rap. It's just a foolish rap because he's a fool. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay. let me, I mean, let me tell you, OK, you know, Spook, he's not a great character. Uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I, I am a, that's my opinion. Obviously, Lucia has the same opinion, or Lucia, sorry, has the same opinion. If you have that opinion, that's good. If you have the opposite opinion, that's fine. But, uh, you know, he's not a, he's just not somebody to look up to in this book, for sure. I don't aspire to be like Spook. <laughs> you know, his, he has very little redeeming qualities about him. Now, have I felt like Spook? Sure. But have I realized that feeling that way won't solve anything? Yes, I, I realize that. And I feel like Spook just needs to realize that. Yeah, maybe we'll get there. 
it's okay. Uh, and we got time. We got 40% of book. Yeah, we totally. Yeah, we're, we're we're getting close to that last third, but we're not quite there yet. I think next time we'll be into the final third of the book. So, uh, it's still more email. Moving on. I really love Sazed in the first two books, but in the third one, I got bored after reading about him moping around because of Tindwell. And maybe it's because of the fact that I didn't really buy that they were in love. Yes, I read Brendan's annotation about how they spent a lot of time together off screen when Sazed shared all his metal minds, but still, I just didn't think their relationship was that serious. And now seeing him just sit around denying to put on his metal minds and crossing off religion after religion was just boring for me. I don't know what you guys think. I know you love him and I do too, but do you enjoy his chapters or just want to get over them? I I honestly feel bad for Sazed. It makes me sad to read that he is sad. It's not the same thing as Spook though, because Sazed is somebody that I admired before and I know what his potential is and that he is a very good person. And he is not like a super easily corruptible or changed person. And I think the Tindwill of it all, she came in, she came back into his life because we knew from the first page that they were in the same room together that that he had feelings for Tindwill. I think it was pretty clear in the way that Brandon wrote it. And so he had to overcome this feeling of I'm not even a man because Tindwill helped him through that she said you know your 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 parts are not what make you a man and besides all that i'm not looking for that i'm not looking for a physical relationship i'm looking for somebody that i bond with on a deeper level so did it seem short-lived yes that's probably what makes it the most sad to me because those two probably could have had a lot of years together but i don't think that it was trivial I don't think that it was rushed. I don't think that their feelings weren't extremely powerful for one another. Um, I think it's pretty clear in the way that Brandon wrote it that these were two people that loved each other for a very long time but didn't know how to express it to one another. I'd agree with that. I think that the, the chapters of uh, Say's being a bit depressed, is like, yeah, look, I can get how they can be a bit of a drag but it's necessary to his character arc and i think that's gonna come into play in the final chapters of, in the final chapters of the book that's just part of his character at this point they do like I, I will admit they seem a little bit repetitive from time to time but i don't think there's anything particularly wrong with them they're just showing how he's progressed as a character to get here so yeah i'm cool with that and like i'm sure and it will all come good it will all be very important in the end so yeah no issue i think it would be um it would be bad if there was no growth or development in these chapters, whereas we're actually seeing him go through this journey and he's starting to come out the other side. I think if he was still in the same headspace that he was when we started the book, I could see like this would this would drag a bit. It's like, oh my god, I can't I can't handle him. But because he is he is growing little bit by little bit, I think it's fine. You know, I think this is and. Like Dex said, it will be you know towards the end of the book, and this will be really important. And he'll come through it. He'll come through it when he needs to come through it, which will work for the story. But you know, you don't you don't just get over something like that. So to see how you know it can take a long time, and it can take years to to sort of come out the other side um, after such a big loss, you know, I think it, it's quite real too. So yeah. yeah, and I think to add on to that, I think one of the major themes of this book is grief. Sazed has grief. The majority of the people have grief for a life 
like that is well lived or, or something that they had built in their heads. It's like a utopia. They're literally losing their world, their way of life, their livelihood, their lives. I, and I think a lot of the characters, the main characters are dealing with grief. It's like Says is dealing with with the loss of his his lover and and probably best friend. Spook is dealing with the grief of of feeling inadequate, which I'll give him that. Like that's that's I've had that feeling. That sucks. Um, also, the death of his uncle. Yes, the death of his uncle, which he never yeah. really processed. Which he feels like, guilty about too. He feels he guilty about. That's right. Ellen is feeling grief over the entire, like trying to protect all of these people. This entire world—it's not just Luthadel anymore. It's like the entire world, mm-hmm. and he's feeling grief over that. And I think he's also feeling grief for what he is having to become, what he feels like he's having to become, just to just to accomplish something. Yeah. And I think Vin has always been in kind of a constant state of grief over pretty much her entire life, and she's come, she's come, she's made a lot of breakthroughs, obviously, but. It's something that, because of how scarred her past is, I think she's just eternally struggling with it. So I feel like the the main theme of this book, I mean, even Marsh, it's like I, he's lost complete control of his body and his mm-hmm. life. Uh, the main, I think a big main theme in this book is just grief. Because if it ends the way that it looks like it's going to end, it sounds like this whole planet's going to be gone. So it's like they are literally losing their the world that they live in. So it's not... And my point in saying all this is, like, when I read that stuff about Sazed again, it makes me sad for Sazed, but it's completely understandable. And it is, it's even though it's character growth in a kind of a grim way, it, it's character growth. And, and the same thing goes for the Ellen chapter we read this time. Like, I didn't like it, but, you know, he's thinking about things. He's internalizing. He's changing. He's uh, he's figuring things out, so. Yeah, and that's that's one of, that's kind of my thing about Sazed and this whole arc that started in the second book and goes through this one is in the first book, he was one of our favorite characters because Sazed is awesome, but he wasn't a character that had any sort of growth. He was basically the same guy at the beginning that he was at the end. We knew more about him by the end. We'd seen him like show like loyalty and bravery that maybe you didn't expect from him, but it wasn't out of character for, for him. He didn't really change, but then starting with Tyndall and stuff in the second book, he starts to get like a really big arc and go through some some serious introspection and some serious change in how he sees himself and how he sees his place in the world. And it's sad at times. And, it, it uh, you know, we talked a lot at the beginning of this book about it's just sad seeing say he's sad because we like him. But uh, I think it it really adds to his character to have that sort of thing uh, and to see him go through it. Yeah, I mean, it's real. It, it feels, you know, that's something that a real person would feel. And yeah, yeah does it kind of suck sometimes because it's a character that we like? Yeah, but it's it's more interesting than the alternative, which is just a guy that, like, you know, brushes his shoulder off and moves on. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, let me get the, the end of this email. Anyway, sorry if that was too long. I've been wanting to write an email for a while but haven't had the chance. Now I'm going to wait and see what you'll read next, so I'll read it and with you, since I'm also new to Brandon's world. Congrats to you all. I hope only for the best for the podcast. Wazing to the time of next, and greetings from Argentina, Lucia. And then there's a PS that says, Data, I love. I know you love your statistics, but I've never heard my country when you mention where your listeners are from. I want you to know that you've reached Latin America. Thank you, Lucia. I appreciate that. That's awesome. And I'm glad that you're enjoying uh, your first foray into 
these books also because I really wow, don't. we have a global reach. Yeah, and after that, I had to go and look to see. Uh, actually, it's interesting. Um, and when I say interesting, Joe's rolling his eyes like, no, it's not. Oh, another looked, uh, statistics <laughs> segment. Here we go. Yep. Hey, ca- hey coming from the guy who's always bringing up what percentage of the book we're on. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I do that too, to be fair, though. So, uh, But if I look at the month of April, uh, which is the first thing that comes up here. So how many downloads we've had in April? Uh, Argentina is actually seventh on the list. It's the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Germany, Australia, New Zealand, Argentina, and then India, and then the Netherlands. So we get into some... Wow, India actually, as well. Yeah, uh, Brandon has a pretty decent following in uh, Latin American countries because there's a very a very big Spanish language streamer slash YouTuber who is crazy about Brandon stuff and like talks about it a lot. So you see a lot of uh, on like on the Reddit and stuff. There's even like a a Spanish Brandon Sanderson Reddit, which there's not for a lot of others, uh, a lot of other big authors or big uh, English authors. But uh, he's got quite a following there. So I'm not surprised that we've got some uh, people from Latin America listening. But I really appreciate it. I'm glad you guys uh, are enjoying it. Uh, Okay. That was our emails for this week. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate hearing and uh, praise is good. Uh, But topics that we can kind of go back and forth on, like that thing about says, that's uh, that's excellent. I love uh, getting more of those. So if anybody else would like to send us an email, the email address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. That's the Sander Lynch with an E at the end. You can also find us on Twitter, where somebody sent us a question on Twitter this week, like, hey, what book are you going to read next? And I told him the next actual novel we have, I have planned on the schedule is Elantris, but there may be some short stories in between there that uh, I haven't announced for sure. So you can tweet at us. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, various places like that. Music by Miracle of Sound. Throw that out there. And <laughs> before I forget... But for next time, four more chapters. So 53, 54, 55, and 56. We are trucking right along here. And we are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven episodes from the end of this book. So we're getting there. If you So if you're reading along with us, like a couple people are, that's those four chapters for next time. I don't know how you people do it. Like, it drives me spare having to stop <laughs> all the time. Yeah, I, I don't think I do that. I, I don't think if I if uh, given the choice I would be able to do it. <laughs> I um I'm really good at just like putting it until we talk about like I read it and then until we talk about it on the podcast I just like put it completely out of my mind so I really don't think about the book at any time unless I'm reading it or talking on the podcast so I've actually been pretty good at like compartmentalizing it and just like filing it away until we're ready. Nice. He's not going to compartmentalize compliments about uh, his voice not being annoying. He's going to make sure people. Oh, yeah. Everybody needs to know that. (laughs) If you'd like to hear more of my beautiful voice, I do have uh, a couple of different YouTube channels. One, I've actually started reading audiobooks, and hopefully, uh, you know, I won't get an injunction on that. I was going to say, is that legal? No, it's definitely not legal, so uh, check it out. Yeah, it's it's Poetry Calls, P-O-E-T-R-Y-C-A-L-L-Z, no spaces on YouTube. Right now, I'm reading through Every Girl's Fantasy, Midnight Sun. So check it out. Uh, That's what I'm doing. Is, is it called? I've never heard of this. Is it called Every Girl's Fantasy Midnight Sun, or are you saying no. Midnight Sun is Every Girl's Fantasy? There you go, that one. Okay, I, I just had to clarify because that was a long Midnight time. Midnight Sun. Uh, you know, for those for the Twilight fans out there, they know it's uh it's the first book in the Twilight series written from Edward's perspective. Uh, so, there you go. Oh, about that one. Okay, yeah. All right. Not gonna read that. So okay. no, I'm not gonna listen fine. to you, you, you to read it on YouTube either. Just FYI, sorry. 
Yeah, it's fine. I'm pretty sure if my brother told me he was listening to me read that book online, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I would be like, "Hey, man, are you okay? That doesn't seem like that doesn't seem like something you would want to do." Oh, I'm sorry. I almost forgot. We also got one comment on uh, Facebook that I wanted to, because th- this guy has an awesome name. Uh, he's from South Africa, and his name is I'm gonna say it's Regard. It's R E G H A R D T. I just thought the name sounded really cool. I don't even know how to pronounce it correctly, but it's cool. And he says, just discovered you guys, incredible show, about to start the Well of Ascension episodes. Please keep it up. So, Word. Thank Thanks, you, man. Ray Art. See, we got people in South Africa, too, all over the place. Taking it. World, 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 wide, wide, wide. <laughs> I'd assume that Dak and Jamie are white people from Australia or New Zealand are listening. They're like, hey, they live in the same yeah. part of the world we do. Also, we speak English, so we can listen to English podcasts. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, I, I, I will stop with the statistical uh, where people are from and stuff so thank you everybody wasing to the time of next as the tiles of steel and stone crumble to dust the foundations of our hope begin to rust choking fear screaming sound as a reaper comes to ground you turn to face it down because you must and when the world is Stand up and take it back.